Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Shani Perlmut from South Africa, who during her near-death experience angels took her to the white light shani thank you for being my guest and welcome thank you so much jeff for having me jeff um as uh, um, as i was expecting my second son by cesarean section um i was taken to hospital and um to have the cesarean and um, my my mother, at the same time, or more or less, had an accident where a little boy had died. Um, it was a traumatic week, a very heavy week, very cloudy, clouded. That's all I can say, heavy, dark. And um, I, I had the boy, a healthy, bouncy boy, and uh, the, day, the day after he was born, my mother was brought to the hospital unbeknownst to me. And uh, um, uh, because she had been in a horrible accident and a little boy had died. Uh, after that, we, we stayed in the hospital and we, we went back to the farm, to Luxembourg, about an hour away. And uh, we needed to, on the on the eighth day, have a circumcision. Um, my son, uh, we are a Jewish family, so we, we needed to, we were under pressure to obviously have a cesarean on the eighth day. So the, the night of the, 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 the eighth night, prior to the, the eighth day, I had this terrible anxiety attack because nothing was arranged. There was no moil to come, the rabbi to come and do the circumcision. It wasn't arranged. There was, uh, so I needed somebody to nurse my mother because the little boy had died during, um, uh, was, uh, they died during the, uh, in the accident was actually um, um, uh, the, 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 my mother's assistant's nephew. So she had to leave. There was no food. There were no guests. Nothing was planned. And so I had this horrible anxiety attack. It was horrible. And I couldn't breathe. I took a bag and breathed in and out of this paper bag. And then I went to sleep. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, I had a dream, a lucid dream, where I could see Two um, visitors arriving to see my mother um, and commiserate with her unfortunate situation. 
So the spotlight was on my mother more than my, me and my child, which is not a problem. It wasn't a problem. I switched the transistor radio on and it said, God is the Messiah, bled out. And with that, all I can say, angels grabbed my wrists. I could feel their hands pulling me up. And the wind of the, the wings were blowing over my head. I couldn't see them. I could just feel them. I could feel me being pulled up, dragged up through the clouds. I could see the little boy that had passed away playing on a bicycle. And as I looked up, I saw the most magnificent light that everybody talks about. I'm not going to elaborate on the light. We all know it's there is love, compassion, healing. It's home. It's, it's home and it was very familiar to me. I felt wonderful. Then suddenly from the side I could see my, my real self, which was a ball of light, being pulled up again by, by hands. And I said, just a minute, before the bugles play, I want to get back. I'm worried about my children. Uh, I can't leave my children behind. So with that, the angels actually brought me back into this light. I was buoyant like a piece of ice smelting, melting in the warm, lukewarm water. It was so comforting. I could feel my wound drying. I could feel... Funny things happening as in healing, all my all my anxiety, all my worries, everything just dissolved in that oneness of everything that is. And then I was brought back and dropped into my body and I gasped for air. And my husband at the time jumped up and said, What's the matter? I said, Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to fall into place. And I looked. We switched on the light. There were bits of the staples of the of the, um, the stitches lying on the sheets. I'd healed almost completely. There was no pain. My first cesarean, I was in such pain for at least four weeks, and then six weeks. I could. I was. I only came right more or less in six weeks. So I was much better off after having this near-death experience. I assumed that I must have had obviously a spontaneous healing and been rescued, pulled up by the angels, by God's angels, to, to, to heal me and tell me everything is all right and remind me, hey, you know where you're from. Everything's fine. I've got your back. And um, and that is my story when it comes to that. To that, the following uh, the day as it came, everything fell into place. I even had the energy to 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 help with the cooking. This is on the eighth day after a general anaesthetic, and people brought the nurse from Victoria, which is three and a half hours away, and and. My brother went to collect the rabbi from Johannesburg to come and do the circumcision. 
And the farmers, the farmers' wives and the farmers came along with enough witnesses for, for the circumcision. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. From what I know, circumcisions take a lot longer to heal than natural births. And so do you feel like you were almost completely healed in that the next day? Yeah. Uh, with the cesarean, you mentioned. The I mean, so, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that's correct. Cesarean yeah. sections. Yes, because of my first birth, I I knew that it took quite some time for me to heal, especially the wound, which looked horrible the first time. But the second time, with the second birth, it, it, uh, there was hardly any. There was no uh, wound. It was just very smooth. The lady assisting at the doctors was very surprised as I went there a week later and she, to pull out all the, the leftover staples. And she just said, how did this happen? This is amazing. And I said, well, I couldn't exactly tell her what had happened because it was something supernatural, which is God. And I said, I guess um, I just prayed and it went away because I believe in the power of prayer. I really do. So after it happened, did you consider it to be a near-death experience or what did you think happened to you? I didn't at the time, I'll be honest. I thought that it was one of my out-of-body experiences that I've, I had had through my life. But... Um, after listening to your shows and many other people's near-death experiences, it just dawned on me, but just a minute, I was instantly healed. All my anxiety, all my pain, it's very, uh, a, ces a cesarean birth is uh, very painful. And you've got to look after a child that I looked after the, my second born with ease, much easier than with my first born. So um, I, I definitely am convinced that it was a near-death experience after everybody's, um, you know, stories. I've, I've come to this conclusion that it definitely was a near-death experience. You mentioned that you've had out-of-body experiences. Was this different? Totally, because an out-of-body experience is an out-of-body experience, but this NDE, I physically felt that I was being pulled physically with my, probably most of my body. I felt heavy physically and I felt heavy emotionally. And I was pulled up and I could feel the wind and I could feel the air getting thinner. But it was similar to being dragged out of, you know, pulled out, uh, rescued out of the, the ocean. Because as I got to the the water line that was this bright, beautiful, amazing oneness of light. As I got into it, I could breathe again. So it was like a, my head popped out from the top, from the bottom. And I realized that at that stage, it was like very, I had nonchalantly said, thought to myself, this is, oh, you know, I wasn't surprised. And, um, and then as I said before, the angels took my wrists again. I didn't see them. I could feel them. And they pulled me up a bit higher. And I knew 
that that is where I needed to choose. They didn't say choose. They didn't say you have to come with us. I had it in my own power to say just a minute before the bugles blow, I want to go back. My, I've got young children down there. That's what I said. And, um, and with that, they, they placed me back in this beautiful night, and that is where I was totally healed. I was healed. I would say that my wound was healed or my operation was healed to an extent of 80%. That's amazing. Yeah. Being, and it really was. Being Jewish, did you see any elements of Judaism on the other side? No. On the other side, I don't want to shock anybody, but it's got nothing to do with religion. Nothing. It is just a play. It felt to me, the only way to describe it is when you look at Saturn with the, with the rings, it was as if, as if there was this ginormous light right around Earth, but actually it was creation, creating in the moment. This is what I felt. And I was pulled through this ring, right? And I was buoyant in this ring of beautiful light. And then I was pulled out to go. And I would say it was the black, I think you call it void. Mm -hmm. There was this void. But I knew if I'd gone further, I would have left my body totally. So. Um, I said, before the bugles go, <laughs> please, I need to get back to my children. And they brought, the angels brought me back into this, this band of amazing light that, that was eternal. That's what I can say. When I was in it, it was all there is. And that is what God is, a field of beautiful, immense Frequency of uh, frequency of creation. I, I, and then I fell back into my body, and as I said, the rest is history. But I really believe it was an NDE because I was I was healed. I was spontaneously healed. Um, I want to tell you um about my 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 OBE. I had many OBEs out of body experiences, but there was one particular one that was quite it, it really left a mark on me because I loved my father. He was much older than I was. He was 44 when I was born. So I always had a fear of him dying. And um what happened was that um, I went to sleep the nights. My ex-husband at that time, that was in 2001. The near-death experience happened in, in uh, um, 1997 when my son was born, my second son. So um, I was dreaming. And I went to sleep and I had a dream. And then after that, I felt as if my body was hollow like a, a butterfly, like there were thousands of butterflies, which wasn't unusual for me because I had meditated through my life 
where I was able to shift electromagnetic energy, we call it the, the force of God, through me. So it wasn't an unusual feeling. It was actually the same feeling I had being in that light. Um, then, so I, I was holding onto the sheets. And then afterwards, I stood up. I went to go and drink some water in the bathroom. And I got back, as, as I was getting back into bed, I saw a pixie-like angel. I first thought, I didn't think it was an angel. I thought it was like a, a, a pixie. But I thought it was odd. It's sitting in the corner of my room by a window. On a, on, it was very pretty, all this kind of mauve color. And she said, come to me. I need to show you something. So I came towards and she said, you have to actually come with me. We have to go into the, to this light. And it was mauve, a, a lilac light. And I said, why do you want to take me on this journey? I was full of questions because I'm very talkative. And um, my, my, the, 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 my younger son was uh, niggly. And I said, you know what? I can't go with you. I've got to care for my son. And she said to me, but I really have to show you that you're going to go on a, on a tough path now. We need to show you what's happening. I, and I thought, I said, sorry, I can't come with you. And I went back into my, uh, to the bed and I literally sat in my body. And as I was turning to lie back in my body, I said to her, before you go, like you ask somebody for a telephone number or a contact, I said, before you go, what's your name? So she said to me, I am the angel Baka. I love. I said to God, Angel Baka, what a name for a for a for an angel. That sounds terrible. And I was laughing at it. You know, and I got back into my body and I went to sleep. I literally turned into my body, got back into my body, went to sleep. And the next morning, this whole thing was vivid. I went to my father's room. We were on the farm. I went to my father's room and my father wasn't there. And I heard him in the bathroom. I said, Dad, and he couldn't speak. He wasn't answering, answering me. So uh, he came out of the bathroom, he was active, but he'd lost his vocal ability. So he had had a stroke. And at that point, because he suffered from emphysema, I, we never knew that he had had a, a, um, a, a pneumonia. That was informed to us later. So, to cut a long story short, it was a dramatic week as well. He ended up in the hospital in the town where he was born. Now, my father was agoraphobic. And uh, so we never really left the farm area in the town. So we, I literally had to go with him in the, in the ambulance. I stayed with him by his side. The doctor said that if they can he, um, heal his pneumonia, 
he would be able to live a normal life, but he wouldn't be able to speak. And just like me, he loved telling stories. He had lots of war stories from World War II. Anyway, and um, he lay there in high care uh, the Friday afternoon. My sons, my, my husband then brought this, my sons, who my father adored, and they couldn't come close because of hygiene. So they poured out, goodbye, Opa, and he turned and he looked at them in the semi-coma state that he was in. And that was the last time he opened his eyes. He, he lay there and I told him how, how much I loved him and that he was my hero and um, all kinds of things, you know, and brought back memories. And then I said to him, he was holding my wrist and I was, you know, we were sort of embracing with the one, the, the one arm. And I said to him, you know, Daddy, the angels, uh, God is with you. I said, you know, God is with you, and he squeezed my hand. And knowing that he didn't really believe in angels, he thought it was mythical, I said, and the angel Baka, and with that he squeezed it even harder. And I just was so amazed. Because, uh, by the way, and then after my, 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 my father died, I had spoken to the same lady that had sent the nurse and she had said to me that I must look in a Hebrew-English dictionary what Baka means and it was to mourn and to weep and to cleave, which we all, you know, what we do in mourning. So Baka was from the word lifkod, which was to cry and to mourn and to weep. That same lady, after the circumcision of my son, I was still, you know, very busy cooking and keeping busy, you know, and helping my mother and the nurse. I'm going back to the NDE, sorry, but I sorry. just remembered that. That lady, said, uh, I managed to sit down and have a conversation with her on the phone. Her name was Isadora, amazing human being. I, I said to Isadora, has this ever happened to you? Or have you ever heard of angels literally intervening and pulling one up into the, into, into the heavens? And she said to me, did it happen the night before your, the circumcision on Tuesday night? I said, yes. She said, my darling, Shani, the whole of Pretoria, our, our church group, Ask God to put Psalm 91 upon you and your mother. If you read Psalm 91, it says there, the angels will take you by their hands and lift you up from, you know, the pestilence, whatever's at the bottom. I know it was an NDE beyond a shadow of a doubt. OBEs are common in my life, very common. They, I lived, I've always lived a different kind of spiritual life and people used to see, see me and ask me things. Rabbis and men of the cloth would, would ask me for, uh, uh, for what, what, what do I think about certain things. I'm not 
saying that I was special or I am special. I just had an ability of knowing things. Uh, after my NDE, the ringing in the ear, well, not ringing, the, it was a, it's a kind of a buzzing of the night as my ear started. Um, so that is one of the things I know you asked the question about that. What happens I, when your ear buzzes? Uh, it's as if I am listening to frequencies like a radio sound. I've got to keep my ears open. Often I'm in these groups where I'm talking and then suddenly, I can only say it's like being a channel. I will suddenly say to a person on the Zoom meeting, do you mind me telling you this? Uh, I feel your, I see your father, I hear your father. Um, he, you know, and, and I'll tell, tell, I won't go into detail about that, but that has happened to me often. Um, there are untold stories I can tell you, Jeffrey. Um, wonderful miracles. And the, uh, what I wanted to say, after my OBE, I was more attuned to animals. I could feel the animal. I, could, uh, I think they call it telekinesis. I had pets that I would literally focus it in their heads and imagine that I'm looking through their eyes at me and I moved the animal to come to me and sit on my lap. It happened to cats as well as um, uh, our uh, Ringneck, uh, Indian ringneck, um, parakeets. To go back to your NDE, when the angels were lifting you up, you saw the boy that had died in your mother's accident, right? Yes. Thank you for reminding me. The, the, the assistant came back from the funeral and everything, and when she came back, I said to her, her name was, is Dinah. I said, Dinah. You know, I saw um, to me in the clouds riding a bicycle. She said to me, Shani, to me, it comes to visit on a farm from another town called Fenter's Talk. And he was there with us, with his mother, for six weeks. And he was so disappointed that he had left his bicycle at home. So that was an affirmation too, and it gives me chills to say that. And she said to me, it said, when he left with, my, uh, with his mother and my mother in the car to leave, to go back home, he said to the assistant, Dinah, his aunt, he said, it's, I've got a strange feeling. I don't feel like I'm coming back to the farm. He's four years, he was four years old. He says, but I also don't feel like I'm going back home. There was just an, a presence. I want to say something, but I think that God is in time. Time has a lot to do with what God is, with all that there is, is. Because I've witnessed people that are on their way, that, that you can see that it's like they're on a rail tra railway track and they're heading for that wall. There's nothing you can do. They're going to die anyway in their time. Death is, in this world, everybody's by death, a horrible thing. And it's not. It's going back home, as I'm sure many people have told you. 
Do you feel that your NDE was planned ahead of time? I think that um, I, I needed to be reminded because I was so anxious. And I think it was a sudden decision. I think it was a spontaneous decision to rescue me out of this, this deep emotion I was in and the pain I was in to remind me, hey, you know, we, uh, we've got your back. We are love. God is love. We are all one. And, uh, and I think it was to, to just put me back into perspective because I was really in a very difficult emotional place in my life at that stage. Um, I'm not going to elaborate about the marriage, but you can gather we're afterwards with the NDE. Most, a lot of people that have had an NDE have a divorce because you feel that you've felt the freedom. That is another thing. When you're in that, it, it, it feels like, it looks like particles that glitter, but it's all white. As you know, all colors make this, all the color spectrum makes white. I felt the freedom that I never had on, on earth, but I remembered it. And after you feel that, you never forget that freedom. It does change your life. But it only fills you up with more and more and more love and no fear. No fear of anything and definitely no fear of death. Yes, um, you fear your children going before you. You feel... You feel maybe the way you die, you know, you don't want to have pain, but the, the experience is just going back home to God. Okay. I just want to say another thing, if I may. Sure. In the Jewish religion, or in the Old Testament, you're not allowed to speak to the dead. You're not allowed to look in, at the stars. It says it there. Simply why it's forbidden because it's possible. Anything that's forbidden is possible, right? So I grew up being exposed to a lot of religions, you know, just being exposed to them because I, I was in, in a community and my friends were of other religions. I always knew not to go and seek out the dead or seek out angels, or seek out that. That is a reason why Jews maybe adapt easier to spiritual being spiritual, because they don't speak or pray to, to a figure or an intermediary. So, but there's no harm in it happening to you. So what happened to me, my dreams, my loved ones, People I adore come to me in vivid dreams and we go on journeys and it's just when, and I think it's not so much that they come to me. There's a prayer that, that you say, there's the, the prayer that you say before you sleep, which is hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, which is centuries, thousands of years old, right? And then there's this prayer that you say in the morning. And it's uh, it's a more dare I me, but it's just to be grateful to God for returning your soul into your body 
So I believe that the vivid dreams that I have is actually me going there and experiencing the festival, the fairgrounds, the joy that you find over there. I love, and a lot of my dreams are precognitive. I've had, most of them are. I've got a dream book now, a journal that I write down. And you know, if you don't write it immediately after you wake up, they just dissolve. But the very, very vivid ones never leave you. And I've had amazing ones. I can tell you, after my father passed away, um, he was concerned because I was alone with my mother and the, the little boys on the farm. And he wanted, well, this is what I gathered, because he came to me, or I went to him in this, in this dream, this visitation, as people call it. And he stood there, he had asthma pump, you know, that he used for emphysema, and he was standing there shaking it in front of a whitewashed door. And he said to me, all the things that were important in my lifetime, he was very, he loved his farm and, you know, everything is irrelevant here. It's all love. Everything is love. So don't worry about anything. Hire out the farm, sell the farm, and then go and live with, with your husband in, in room Fontaine where we are today. And I, it stayed with me. But because I was wanted to double check, because I've got affirma uh, 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 validations for each thing that's happened for me so far, I wanted to know if this was really true. And I heard about a, a psychic medium that lived about two hours away that everybody in our town was going to. So I went to him. And he said, as I walked in, he said, as a man with with military boots on, and he looks very, he looks quite joyful. And he's got a message for you. His name is Philip. So I said, That's my father. Verbatim, Jeffrey. He's exactly the same words. He uttered the same words I had when my father came to me while I was with him, whatever the words, the same, because we were all in the sea of consciousness. So, um, you know what I'm trying to say. So verbatim, exactly. But what, what my father said to me, he repeated to Syria, and Syria verbalized it to me. That's the name of the guy. And um, that that is amazing. And then I can also tell you, my mother, I had to caregive my mother, look after my mother for many years. She was actually the sickly one, very bad diabetes. And I always expected, even though my father was 10 years older, I expected her to go before my father, but she outlived my father. My father passed away in 2001, August. My mother passed away the 28th of February, 2020. Mm. And we were... We think she passed away from uh, from uh, contacting COVID because I work at a, uh, 
house museum, and I had I received tourists from all over the world, and it was before lockdown. So I I I wasn't feeling too well. I thought I had a sorghum allergy, but I think I might have contracted COVID then and given it to her. But I don't feel I feel it was the time. It's good that she wasn't. She was ninety-one, and she was bedridden. It would have been horrible for her to be like that, you know, during the lockdown. Another thing I would like to say to you, when my father passed away, all this was happening, I knew a collective consciousness shift would happen after my father passed away. And that was 9-11, exactly a month after my father died. He died on the 11th of August, 2001. And 9-11 happened exactly a month after that. My mother, she she passed away just before long. I knew something was going to happen major. Also, another shift in consciousness, and that was the lockdown. I mean, we can admit that, that we all had this, this shifting collective consciousness because we're all part of this ocean, this conscious ocean of wonderment. And we've got to know that. And the secret is to love each other and not judge. I always say that I'm not more intelligent than a guy walking in the street, sweeping the streets, tiles or whatever, bricks. He knows something that I don't know. What inspires you about your near-death experience? The inspiration is the fact of knowing that I'm, I, I am part of everything there is and part of creation. Incidentally, procreation, and I'm not going to go there, but you know you're an intelligent man. It's all part of the same energy. That, I call it energy, but it's, I put it actually frequency, whereas other people call it energy. It's a frequency. We all just have to tune into, and we, I feel people gifts like me, I haven't got a gift. I have a feel. I have a feel of three-dimensional art. I have a feel of looking into what, uh, the other side. But I know it's all a pool of absolute overwhelming love and everybody is so much greater than what they really think they are. I wish I could give that to people, this, this self-assuredness, the self-worthiness that people lack. I wish I could just give it to them. So my, my mission, my, what my inspiration is to bring joy and uplift people. When I meet somebody, and that happens often at the museum where I'm, you know, the place that I look after, I make sure that they leave much happier than when they first arrived. I always make sure that at least I make somebody happy and joyful once a day, that I change their life some, somehow. They, not so much their life, but their, their mood for the day. Do you practice meditation? All, all my life, um, I knew to lie back and allow I, I say it blandly, God to come to me. 
And it's merely starting at my feet with this electromagnetic field or frequency spinning around my feet uh, uh, counterclockwise up and down and then returning clockwise and then it really rustles. I can call it a rushing that happens in my head and in my ears. It's like a cleansing, a washing, a healing. It is beyond a word I I know that you beep out, (laughs) that feeling. And, um, yeah, it's beyond that because it's heavenly. And when you do that uh, meditation, you feel your heavy body flat in the bed and you are lifting yourself up. You, you elevate it just above your body. Now, if you don't know how to do it naturally, it is, it's dangerous. But I've been doing it all my life as I have just been aware that, that I must do it, to cleanse myself, to, 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 to wash myself. That's why I had the NDE experience because I'd forgot, I'd, I was so involved in my, I call it, I call it the red herring in my head that flip-flops. The ego, people call the ego, I call it the red herring. And that is more what it is. It's a red herring. And um, I was just in such a panic that I, I, I wasn't meditating and I wasn't in that place. And this intervention that just happened to me happened because I'd I'd momentarily forgotten who I really am, who you really are, who everybody here is. We are part, we are individuations of the divine, all of us. Just love, it's love and compassion and it's a frequency and light. Absolute beautiful light. Uh, I could tell you that actually my mother, before she got fell ill, I was to go back to see her at 10 o'clock and give her her last medication and her insulin, and I felt as if an iron ball had fallen on my bed. I got to my mother's room, and she was in a state of absolute she was out of it. She, her eyes were wide, and I thought that it was because she suffered a lot from anemia at that point, but she was unable to breathe. She was drowning. So I said, do you want to go to the hospital? She never wanted to go to the hospital, but she, she nodded her head. I uh, called the ambulance. I took her. They asked me if, if she had been overseas. I said no. They took her for x-rays and then they pushed her into a corner and they didn't touch her. They never said that they suspected that she might have COVID. But I was so upset with the staff. I couldn't understand because she was complaining about a sore arm. And um, it was late at night. It was, uh, you know, well, not that late. It was half past eight. And my son, my younger son, really older, said, Mommy, let's go home. It's really, we tired. Let's go home. We can't fight with the staff. They don't want to help Omar. Omar's grandmother in Afrikaans. 
and uh, I, I, she was stared at me, and I kissed her on her on her on her forehead, and I said to her, "I love you." And as I turned, I said to God, "She's in your hands." And I went, came home, got onto the bed, and just then another heavy metal ball fell on my bed. And I said, I'm so tired. I'd looked after my mother for so many years. I know she's going to pass away tonight. Thank you for letting me know. And um, I went to sleep. I actually switched my phone, my cell phone off. I didn't want the noise. My uh, landline phone rang. I'd written that in the file. I, uh, and they called me. Uh, they called me to say, "Your mother, we were looking for you on your cell phone. Your mother's just passed away." And that was ten minutes past one that morning. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, she was part of my life in my dreams. Jumping star, star jumps. She looked so young and beautiful, and I knew that she loved John Edward, the, the psychic medium. She had all his books and everything. I get a message from the John Edward page in my messenger saying, congratulations, you won a, a, a Zoom meeting with John Edward. John, I mean, it was amazing. And then after that, a friend in Los Angeles sends me uh, Indian, it's a, com- a comedy, a comedic video with Indian singing two few different genres of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. I'd also said the prayer of what Caroline Miss teaches about saying, Dear God, lift me up into the heaven to where your to where my beloveds have gone before me. Lay me across the stars and send your angels to heal me, and then bring me back to my my body before dawn. So even this prayer, Modiani, which thanks even Caroline Miss. Uh, believes in that so it, it was you know there all these affirmations my mother loved birds and I feed the birds every day I'm a scatter seeds in a shape of a heart I've been doing it for years and I used to leave my mother in the wheelchair to watch the birds eating and one uh, we had a funeral and everything and several months afterwards we needed to have a stone erected and I didn't know what words to put on this, on this, um, on this grave, so on the tombstone. And I, I was looking for it here. Um, what had actually happened? Sorry, I'm stalling now. So you left it edited. I was looking for the. Yeah, my mother was a, a, a an amateur actress. She lived with a. Cousins, because she, you know, she had rejection issues, but that's beside the point. She was a wonderful actress. Uh, Her cousin became famous in Australia, but my mother 
couldn't um, uh, live that dream because she had been married before, had two sons, and then married my father as a bachelor. And then I was born. So um, I'm, uh, one day I'm looking at, at, the, at the, you know, on the table where I feed the birds, and there's a white dove, not a pigeon, a dove the same size as all the other gray doves that are, were on the, on the table. And it's an albino dove. I asked the ornithologist from the museum where I work, and he said, that's an albino. And, you know, albino birds are in danger because the prey just catch them. Anyway, I look at this bird and I go, that's my mother sending me a message. Or oh, it's my mother. You know, you can, as we are all one, animals are all the same as we are. So I thought, well, that's my mother. The bird came once, twice, three times. And then I spoke to my friend, Robin, who's an author and a healer in Church of Healer in, in, in Rochester. I said, you know, I've got to work out what to put on my mother's grave. You know, words. She says, well, hasn't she got some words? Um, you know, maybe you've got a box full of something or quotes. I get the car, these cards out and one flies up into the air. And it's just a plain card with no, no author, no poet. It just says, well, I'm giving you the short part. Although the curtain falls at last, is that a cause to grieve? Life is brighter still if only one believes. So I went and I Googled it. And guess what the first picture I saw on Google Images, as I clicked on images looking for a quote, the quote, to see who had written it. You can guess. Next to the quote was a white dove. You can do that. You can Google these words. You'll find the white dove is the first one on the top left. And then after I got the message, because I wrote, I'd written on the phone, uh, I had it um, written, an elegant lady who loved the stage, although the curtain falls at last. Isn't it beautiful? And yeah. um, um, that was the, those were the words that she wanted on her grave. I'm convinced about it. And that is how simply when, when one is filled with love, one lives in the moment, and I know the standard word is awake. I deliberately told you I don't want to use all these dimensions and this and that and this. I've had many experiences, but I know that dove was a message, and then it disappeared only to come back two weeks later when my mother's cat passed away. And I said, uh, uh, before it arrived, I said to the cat, we have to put you out. You're not well. I said, Oma will be there to meet you. And then the dove, I was, I was distraught after that. And this dove lands back on the table looking at me. And then it was gone for good. I haven't seen it again. 
So me, you know, growing up on a farm, Jeffrey, I'm going to start crying like the guy the other day. Animals are so much part of our lives. They are talking to us. This is going to sound cuckoo, but birds talk to us as well. They might be chatting to each other, but they're also talking to us. It sounds crazy, but I promise you, there are signs. In that beautiful garden I work in, I'm responsible for this English country garden. We don't believe in pesticides. And we've got snails on all the plants. They make holes all over the leaves. And one day I took a snail and I said, I'm sorry, I've got to crush you. And I threw it onto the ground and I crushed it. It felt so bad. <laughs> the following morning, I'm sitting on the bench and uh, we call it a perustrap, a bird with yellow legs. It comes and right in front of me and throws down a snail on the ground and it pulls the snail out of the shell and gulps it up. This is interesting. It flies away. It brings another snail and drops it next to that snail. Not twice, three times it happened. So I said, okay, I get the message. You, you've got your job to do. You want fresh snails. You don't want one that's crushed. So now when they fly around, I say, you're not doing your job. There's too many snails. Uh, um, it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, everything is connected. We are one and we are love. That's the message I want to bring, bring to you. We, we are love. We are made out of love we are part of creation creating all the time constantly and we have to live in the moment yes because god resides in a place where there's no time which is everything there is shawnee after watching this podcast people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions are you open to that I'm open to them contacting me on, on Messenger if they want to, on Facebook. Um, if, if, it, uh, if it's okay with you, I would like to mention that if people want to open their hearts and speak, to uplift themselves and realize their connection with God, there's a group that is um, CWG-based, Neil Donald Wolf. It's called DivineLoveGroups.org. And people can join it, where people can join in Zoom meetings to connect with people that are like-minded or seeking to find a connection with God, that kind of connection. Uh, my friend Robin that I told you about that, um, that uh, suggested I look for a quote in the cards, she's got a book called Spirits Unbound, where my bird that I drew for her this year. It's, it flies right through the book, and this is the book, Spirits Unbound. And one can just look on any, you know, in any, uh, I guess, Amazon and Barnes and Noble by Robin Lee Vela. So 
she writes a bit about me there. I like giving every, everybody else credit. Part of my story is also talking about inherited life trauma. So I suggest that uh, I was listening to a, a talk by Christian Northrop on uh, many, uh, several years ago on Hay House Radio. And she was talking to this gentleman. And um, I listened to him. His name's Mark Wolin. And he wrote a book, It Didn't Start With You. It comes from, and you know, trauma, inherited trauma. And I listened to his story. And I did some research. I thought, no, this is interesting. Because I did have a Wolinsky in my family. Uh, so I just randomly wrote him to Messenger and I said, you know what, I've got a you when you're talking about your family, sounds like my family. Uh, and I identified myself. I said, I'm Shawnee. And and he went and he wrote back, he said, Yes, you're a cousin of mine. It turns out that that my, my father's cousin and his uh Father, uh, my father's cousin who came to South Africa, and his his father were 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 brothers, so they were both cousins of my my father. So it turned out we were related. Um, but that is just a, a feeling. I I say that people have got people talk about I've got this gift and I've got that gift. I think it's just having a feel. In 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 Hebrew, when they say say gilui, which means to discover. Everything exists in this universe, if you want to call it universe, in many, many, many. Everything's there. It's just somebody has to discover it. It's not an invention. It's a discovery. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I can hear a whole, I'm not musical, even though some people say I should if I can speak various languages. Um, I can, I wake up with this whole song playing in my head. The other day it was um, Bruce Springsteen's um, Everybody Has a Hungry Heart. I, I haven't heard that song for eons. And it was playing from the beginning to the end in my head. And it was a message for me. So I read somewhere that the angel that, that gifted Bruce Springsteen or gave, you know, gave Bruce Springsteen to compose that song touched me. So that's where I, I heard this, how I heard the song. So I live a very spiritual life. That's all I can say. I've always had it. I've always had interesting people teaching me things like with the healing. Um, people call it a name. I don't give it any name, but I would. Uh, she passed away recently. She taught me how to 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 pray away all darkness and in all organs and pray the darkness away and fill it with light. I would sometimes arrive at her home. It's an old lady, um, and she'd be on the floor praying for the world, uh, for Ebola and the ozone layer, what have you. And she'd say, "Shani, Shani, come." You've got to help me. You've got to help me. Hold yeah. And I literally could see the world in my hand, earth in my hand. 
So it's just moving into a dimension or frequency that I could see the world. I could see the light of God going into these places, filling them up, filling the ozone hole, healing the Ebola. I've been blessed with wonderful people that touched my life, that, that just knew that I knew how to walk in this world and also have the other side with me. And it was all innocent. It was from birth. But I don't say that I'm special. I really believe that everybody has the ability. It depends in, in what soup you belong, you fell into, and the conditions. I, had, I grew up with, with my mother feeling rejected and a brother that had um, a, a drug problem. He was a genius at the age of 14 and very artistic. He could have been the world's best uh, plastic surgeon. And at the, uh, we, we were in and out with him in institutions. And one day he was begging staff on the farm for some marijuana and they wouldn't give it to him. So he got so angry. And in front of me at the age of 80, he ripped his wrist, pulled his wrist over the barbed wire, cut it open and screamed at me to, to go and call my mother because he was always looking for attention from my mother, which was also another. My mother had a lot of problems, so she wasn't always all there, you know. It was beautiful, absolute beautiful woman, but she had a lot of emotional problems. So I lived in bubbles all my life. I moved from bubble to bubble to bubble. The feel, I married an Argentinian. I go to Argentina, no English, just Spanish. You don't hear English when you go to Buenos Aires, except if you go to the touristy places. Because I'm verbal, you're living amongst them. At the end of the seven weeks, I was speaking Spanish. I believe that it's, you've got to feel a language to learn a language. You've got to feel the place. You've got to eat the food. You've got to hear what's happening around your life. So you learn it out of a book. Like many people have degrees in Russian, master's degrees in Russian or whatever. But if you, unless you really live and you're immersed in it, I don't, you know, I don't think that the, the ability to speak it is easy, but you also got to have the kind of personality that, that you don't care to make mistakes. You know, some people are on guard a lot of the time. I don't care if I make mistakes. I know I've made a lot of mistakes in English here because, you know, I've got several languages in my head with the, the red herring flip-flopping in my head. <laughs> Shani, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? The positive message is that there's no need to fear. If you've got a dream, follow it. Write your dreams in a book. Because at the end of the day, even the dreams that you have during your sleep time, they, make, they, they tell you about your life when you fit it together like a puzzle. Love is everything. Unconditional love 
non-judgment, no judgment. Don't judge anybody because as Neil Donald Walsh would say, what comes through you speaks to you. Johnny, thank you for that message and thank you again for being my guest. Oh, it was a pleasure, Jeff. I love being with you. You're a great interviewer. You made me feel so at home. Thank you, and the pleasure was all Just mine. like God. <laughs> well, I think you're putting, <laughs> just like, that's a little too high. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.